0: Let us turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 13, questions 33 and 34. Why is Christ called the only begotten Son of God, since we are also the children of God? Answer, because Christ alone is the eternal and natural Son of God. But we are children adopted of God by grace for his sake. 34. Therefore, call thou him our Lord, because he has redeemed us, both soul and body, from all our sins, not with gold or silver, with his precious blood and has delivered us from all the power of the devil and thus has made us his own property. So far. What else is Christ called? He talked about Jesus and Christ and now what else is Christ called? Three thoughts. Why is he called the only begotten Son? Any idea, children, what it means? That the Lord Jesus is the only begotten Son of God? Is that a difficult word, begotten? Secondly, why are believers called his adopted children? Is not really adopting children? Is adoption okay with the Lord? Does he adopt himself, people, and his family? In the third place, why is he called Lord? Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, our Lord, has that different meaning? That he's the Lord? What else is Christ called? Why is he called the only begotten Son why are believers called his adopted children? And why is he called Lord? Congregation, just a reminder, the, he- the Heidelberg Catechism is written for young people. So his answers, questions and answers make it easier to concentrate and to make it more digestible for young people. So let us hope also tonight that children listen that it would not be too difficult for them, as the Catechism wants them to understand. So what are we talking about tonight? It is about the 12 articles of faith. Have you heard of that, the 12 articles, the Apostolicum, beginning with, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. That is what we are talking about, the second article of the twelve. Why do we say that? Why is it important? Well that is what true faith is about. Faith believes in something. Believing is not something a feeling. Believing is a knowing and a trusting in the truth and being led by the Lord and it's put in words. So the Lord wants to teach us. And that's why His names so also teaching tonight about the Lord Jesus, that He is the only begotten Son of God, because people are adopted children, and He is Lord. It's important enough for true saving faith. Because faith, how, how do you think faith comes? Faith is by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So first the word, then the hearing, then faith. And what is the purpose of saving faith? Is the purpose of saving people from their sins so that they can go to heaven? No. The real purpose is, as you've seen this morning, God's glory. God's glory. So that the Lord is honored and glorified by it. Also, tonight, we hope. So, tonight, two expressions. In the first place, Christ is called the only begotten Son of God. Begotten means. To be generated. You say that doesn't help much. What does it mean? But what about born? The Lord Jesus was born from eternity. He was born out of the Father. The Lord Jesus was the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. How can someone become the child of someone? Then he's born of the the person. And so the Lord Jesus is born from the Father. Not adopted, not made, not created, or something. Not only begotten, she is born of the Father. The Muslims ridicule this. They say, that's awful. God, a son, she had also a wife. She had also intimacy. She had also the birth of a child. That's awful. They don't hear anything about that. It offends them. But the Lord has revealed himself that way in in the Bible. We read that the Lord God is the God who has begotten, has been begotten, the the Lord Jesus has been begotten from the Father, born in eternity. Not in his human nature, of course. In his human nature, the Lord Jesus is born in Bethlehem from Mary, not by Joseph, from Mary. That is his Nature, His human nature. We are talking about the divine nature. Lord so Jesus is God, right? He's also man. As man was born from Mary, as God, as Lord Jesus, he's born from the Father in eternity. You say, where is it in the Bible? Because you'd like to know it from the, from the Bible itself, right? Well, what about Psalm 2 verse 7? I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me the Lord is speaking the Lord has said to me thou art my son this day have I begotten thee begotten so the Lord Jesus is the natural real son of God the same features the same image the express image of God he resembles him. He is God. that is the same attribute as God has. And in Hebrews 1, the chapter was read tonight, that Psalm 2 is quoted. For unto which of the angels said he, At any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son." The Lord Jesus heard the voice of his Father saying that he had begotten him, Thou art my Son, this day in eternity have I begotten thee. But also, other texts in the Bible speak about it. We quote them, May you like them. May you say, May I receive the knowledge of that person. May I receive the knowledge of that Lord Jesus Christ. May I have him as, our, as, as my Lord as my Savior. John 5. For as the father has life in himself, so has he given to the son to have life in himself. See? So a mother has life, and she gives birth to a child, and the child lives. So also in this case, the Father has a life in himself. So has he given the Son to have life in himself, in eternity. So the Son of God received life from his Father. Incomprehensible. We don't get it. It goes way over our heads. The Bible teaches this. On John 1, verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So there's life in God and John 14 Jesus saith unto him I am the way, the truth and the life, no man cometh unto the father but by me he's the son of God right, if you like to approach God I would say don't do it don't approach the Lord directly always go Fia, through the son he's the son of God He can speak to his Father for you. Don't do it directly. God is a consuming fire. You need a mediator. You need someone in between, in between God and us. And that's the Lord Jesus, who was the Son, is still the Son of the Almighty God. A mediator. You read in the Bible that the Lord Jesus prayed to his Father. And as he is the Son of God, the Father always listens to him. His son said, dear son, such a precious child of him, the Lord God of the Father always answers his prayer. He never says no. He never says later. He always does what his son prays for. He is the proof that." Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Or John 14, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. So the Lord Jesus, as Son of god is praying for his people, to his Father, knowing that his Father will answer him and hear him. Because he's such a beloved son. So if you don't feel such a beloved son, if you feel kind of, God is never listening to me. Why would he? Is a feeling? You're right. God can't answer us because of who we are. But the Lord Jesus was perfect. He was immaculate. He was pure. And therefore the Father listens to him. And if we pray through him, that makes all the difference. John 16 as well. At uh, that day, you shall ask in my name. And I say, Not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. See? This is too much for us. It's important enough to be adored. The Word has made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory of the Lord Jesus. We beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. See? So the Lord Jesus declares his Father, presents, represents his Father, and he is The glory of his Father. He beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. And he is full of grace and truth. Not just a little bit. He's filled with it. Also, 1 John 4. It's through the whole Bible. The only begotten Son of God. It's an important theme. I hope also for you personally. Your prayers. You always pray through him, through the only begotten Son of God. Always pray for Jesus' sake. And this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. That's from John three, right? From 1 John four and three. Lord Jesus is the, is the only begotten Son of God, and therefore his life to be obtained through him. Also, John 14, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? Yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He yet has seen me has seen the Father. Now sayest thou, Show us the Father. So the the Father and the Son are so close. They resemble each other. They cooperate. They know each other. They love each other. They are always together. Loves the Son, knows the Son, glorifies the Son. And yet, don't forget, something you won't expect now. He is such a beloved Son. So dear to him. At his baptism the Lord said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, well pleased. And yet his father turned against him. Yet the father struck him. The father bruised him. The father slew him. The father killed him. How is it possible? How can God do that? How can God the Father be so hard on his Son was so beloved, the only begotten, Son of God, He always heals him by being so hard on him then on the cross that is because of the love of God for his church. So the church received life, and Christ has gave me death, gave me the reward of sin, and let my people go. therefore God's people go. Because it only because Son of God, He took all the wrath of God in, He absorbed it, and He is the Savior, perfect, yet bruised, slain by the Father, His Father, His dear Father. What a pain! He loved His Father, and yet He could not say Father anymore on the cross. He said, "My God, My God." Why is thou forsaken me? Do we know something of this God, of of this Savior, of this Son of God? Do we glorify Him? Do we flee unto Him? Do we pray to Him? You may pray to God in general. You may also pray to the Lord Jesus specifically to the only begotten Son of God. Maybe you can do that tonight. You pray in particular to the Son of God and say, Lord Jesus, I've heard tonight that thou art the only begotten Son of God who can speak to the Father for us. Oh, pray to him. Son of David, deliver me Well, the three doctrine, the doctrine of eternal generation of the Son, the Son, of be, the, Son of be, the Son being so intimate to the Father. Many are not Interest in this. Many don't care. Only begotten begotten son, whatever. I don't think that makes any sense. And they just let it go. They don't even think about it. They don't only only hear about it. Not only outside the church, also in liberal evangelical evangelical circles, they say, let's not talk about the divinity of Jesus. It was just an example. Was just an adopted person, it was a good person, it was a Gandhi, he was something, someone as an example we really had, need, need to follow. For the rest, I just let it go. So outside of the church, liberals in the church, but also people that are staunch in doctrine and defend the doctrine of the Bible to the core and believe in all this, and yet personally, is nothing. In the head there's that convincing power that the Lord Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. They believe that historically, but they don't cherish it. They don't treasure it. They don't value it. Is it you? I'm afraid of so many of us tonight have no real interest in the only begotten Son of God, and rather He's, he's something else. See? It's our nature. It's our sin. We look away from the Lord Jesus, from the only begotten of the Father, and just ignore Him. How can we receive grace without Him? Impossible. We also think of the uniqueness of this Lord Jesus Christ alone. See that? Christ alone is the eternal and natural Son of God alone. Nobody else is the unique Savior. He is alone in His merits. He is alone in His authority. He is alone in His beauty. He is the only, exclusive, unique Son of God. And he's also the eternal son. God, Christ alone, is the eternal and natural son of God. Natural and eternal. Eternal in the sense that he is from eternity to eternity. But also that he has also all the same attributes as his father. And also the natural son. The same nature, the same divinity. He will return someday will see Him. We always see Him. And then it counts if we have loved Him, if we have adored Him, if we have met with Him, if we have followed Him. Does Christ mean anything to us? That He is the only begotten Son of God? Is that important to us? Do we cherish it? or Are we, are we cold under that? We can't understand it, but yet how true it is. Tonight we proclaim the only begotten Son of God to the congregation. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's why. We believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If we do, we have life. If we don't, we are condemned already. Already. Now. Oh so someone wrote about this. In Proverbs 8. The Lord Possessed me in the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, wherever the earth was. See? Someone knew that. That the Savior, that the Lord Jesus, was possessed by his Father in the beginning of eternity. Eternity has never begun. He was set up from Everlasting. Well, you know the text of Micah, right? Micah 5, Christmas text, children. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though there be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall shall come forth unto me this the ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old, from of old, from everlasting. So it's from everlasting, from ever. That's what Micah writes. So, the only begotten Son of God, we need to worship Him, to seek Him. He is the one who can mediate for us. He is the one to treasure. Brings to the second thought. Why are believers called His adopted children? So, let me keep it simple. Children, the Lord Jesus called what? The only begotten Son of God. The only one. You have a question now, right? Say, Minister, how can it be? If he's the only begotten son of God, then the Father has only one, one child. But I hear that all God's people are God's children, right? So I'm maybe maybe you're confused now. Say, has God one child or millions of children? Well he has only one. Natural child. Eternal child. Only begotten child, only one. That is the Lord Jesus. Yes, many, many, innumerable adopted children. Adopted children. So there's nothing against adoption. Adopting children is recommendable. It's something of a virtue. It's something we appreciate. When people are willing to raise children, for their welfare. But the Lord Jesus was not adopted. If you don't believe in adoptionism, adoption, let's talk about that. Only one eternal son, many adopted children. Adoption is gonna be bad. So the Lord Jesus adopted his children but you have to realize the Lord did not begin to think about adoption after Adam and Eve sinned. You know Adam and Eve sinned, right? They disconnect from the Lord. They're not God's people anymore. And the Lord, after that, started to think about adoption. No. Way earlier. In eternity as well. The Lord from eternity had thoughts of peace, upon his church, that he would adopt them. The plan was already in the very beginning. A plan to adopt his people. So the Lord adopted him, according to plan, before the world began. Are we God's children? Are our people in general God's people? No. By nature, we are children of wrath. Children of the devil, children of the lie. But are we a child of the father of light, or are we a child of the father of lies? How can we become a child of God? By faith, for Christ's sake, but the adoption is for eternity. I'll read for you a piece from Ephesians one and ask you a question, to answer three questions. About Adoption. Who is adopting? How is adopting? And what is the purpose of adopting? Or from through unto. Here's the text. Ephesians 1 verse 4 through 6. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has been made accepted in the beloved. See that? He has chosen the church. He has chosen them unto adoption. The Lord has not only chosen his people to forgive them, and to bring them to heaven, and to be good to them, and to be kind with them, and to be patient with them. No, he has chosen them to adopt them. It is an election into adoption. Chosen him in Christ. The Lord can even not elect his people outside of Christ. It's even election is an election in Christ. See that? Chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And the purpose is that he should be holy and without blame before him in love. It should be love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself. What is the purpose? What is the unto? To the praise of the glory. his grace. His grace is so glorious, such a glorious grace, that we must praise it, to praise the glory of the grace. Let us think it through and compare this with the adoption of people. A couple visits an orphanage in a country outside, a faraway country. And they go to that orphanage and they see all those beds and all those little faces and all those children. And they're looking for the cutest one. What do you think about this one? Oh, I like that one. Look at those eyes. Look at those, the, the, the curly hair. Look at the skin color. Look at this. Look at that. And they try to find the, the cutest baby to take them home, to adopt them. Right? I don't know if it goes that way, but Suppose. Is that how the Lord adopts people? He looks at mankind and says, I like to find the cutest the cutest child, the, the best people, the, the nicest person, and I just will elect that person because I know that he will be like that. I know because he, 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 he will be cute. Not talking about cute, nobody is anymore are all ugly, detestable, and hostile. There's nobody by nature. Agreeable. Nobody by nature who can be chosen for that sake. But he has chosen from mankind a people, not randomly, but without any conditions, just for his name's sake and glory, to the praise of the glory of his grace. So let me give you six points about the election, six keywords. Adoption, I don't mention it first and then explain them? Adoption is costly. Adoption changes your legal status. Adoption goes together with the pouring out of the spirit of adoption. Adoption makes heirs of God. Adoption is planned. Adoption is from very bad situations often. So adoption is costly. The flights, the travelling, the hotels, the legal fees—it's immense. It's expensive, ten thousands of dollars. Adoption is costly. But about the adoption of the Lord Jesus? I mean, the adoption of God's people. That's costly. It costs so much. It costs the blood of the Lord Jesus. He had to pay with his life for that, to adopt his children that does not go easily. Now, a payment has to be made, it has to be done orderly and legally. And so the Lord Jesus gave his life So the church is adopted by the Father in him. Adoption changes the legal status of people. So if someone is adopted, your last name changes, right? A different last name, the new family. They're legally adopted by. So God's people, when they are adopted in the time, the decision from eternity, adopted in God's providence, in God's election from eternity, but if it also becomes real in the regeneration of the, t- of, the, of, the, of, the, of the person, then the adoption becomes legal. And God's people are really God's people legally in the books, in the books of heaven. And adoption goes together with the pouring out of the spirit of adoption, the Bible says, so the children also know the Father. Also receive the Spirit of the Father. And the Spirit testifies with their spirit. They're God's people. They know it. They're enlightened in their understanding. Adoption makes heirs of God. So God's people inherit. When, when they die, they inherit eternal life. It cannot be taken away from them. It's promised to them and, and, and they, they, they legally are the, the ones that receive the inheritance. Adoption is planned, we already. it already. Adoption is from very bad situations often. And when people are adopted, children are adopted in our time, they don't he tried to write right away that the, 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 the situation was so dif- different and, and difficult and dangerous. But later on, when they grow up, we tell them, this is the situation. This is why you're, you're adopted. Think of Ezekiel 16. And as for thy nativity in the day that was, that was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to super thee, Thou was not salt at all, nor stone at all, nor I pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but I was cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that I was born. When I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood, Live! He yeah, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood live. So the Lord sees a person, his chosen people, in the time of regeneration, and he makes them alive. So he, he makes them to walk in the truth. You know, parents are happy and the children walk in the Lord's ways, right? I have no great joy. And to hear my children walk in truth. It's also true for the Lord. He has a real desire and He he loves it. And He sees His people, His adopted people, walking in the truth and obeying Him. I cannot find the proper word for that. But the Lord is kind of proud of His people His people. He changes them, He gives them the spirit of adoption. He draws them the Holy Spirit, he also disciplines them. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. The Lord is doing it for the best of his people. But by nature, they are not God's people. Ephesians 2 among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So by, by nature not adopted, by nature on our own account. But by faith things change. Galatians 3.26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So the through Christ Jesus and through believing in him become God's people. The spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Glorious liberty of the children of God. So faith is important, right? Let's go into that. Faith. It says in Galatians four, my little children, over my travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So Christ is formed in the, in, in, in the mind of God's people. So they become Christians for that reason. By faith, they become children of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not stunning to be a child of God. Nothing can separate us anymore from the love of God if we are accepted in the Beloved. Let me say to them that are down tonight, God can accept you as you are. You don't have to qualify for adoption. It's free. It's God doing it for His glory. As many as received Him, received Him, that's that's all, receiving Him. As many as received Him, to them gives you the power, the authority, the status to become the sons of God even to them, namely to them that believe on his name. Believing on his name is the condition the Lord has for his people, and he works that condition himself. Have you received him? Have you received him? What is that receiving, minister? What is receiving him? Receiving is the same as receiving him in empty hands, receiving him in, in adoption. In, 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 in accepting Him, in believing Him. That is the true, the true receiving, believing Him. Again, as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Believing makes people children of God. In third place, why is she called Lord? Let's have a look again at question 34. Wherefore callest thou him our Lord? Because he has redeemed us, both soul and body, from all our sins, not with gold or silver, but with his precious blood, and has delivered us from all the power of the devil, and thus has made us his own property. Why is he called Lord? Let me ask a question. Serious question. Who is your Lord? Who is the one you follow? Who is the one you respect? Who is the one you love? We obey the government as the as the Lord placed over us. We respect our parents. Many follow their fans. Many follow the wrong people. But do we surrender to the Lord? The Lord means that he owns, that he pays for it, that he, that he delivers. The Lord Jesus on the cross revealed that he was Lord over all things. He was resurrected from the dead and showed his victory. Therefore he is called Lord in the Bible because of the victory, because he won the war. The heart of acknowledging him is not obedience, but to admire him, to look upon him as the Lord over all, as the one who owns and reigns. The Savior, even more than a Savior, more than a rescuer, more than a leader. is also the owner. He desires to be treasured as the pearl of great price. Do you remember that parable? The kingdom of heaven is like the merchant man seeking goodly pearls. who, When he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all he had and bought that pearl of great price. Who is that? It's the Lord Jesus. It's the Lord. He is the one of such a great price. Everything else needs to be handed in. Not only sinful things, also everything else. If we desire him, if we are dedicated to the Lord, we are here only for him. He is the purpose of our existence. You might think, is that the purpose of the Lord, of being Lord? Sinners admire him, glorify him, love him? Yes. Yes. Christ knows himself and knows that he is a worthy Lord and he desires to be admired. There is also joy in that, satisfaction in that. As you know, admiration of God is the greatest joy. Nothing makes more happy than looking unto Jesus. God is God-centered, the Lord Jesus is God-centered, and the Lord Jesus, Lord, also owns all things. He has a people, he has redeemed his church, their body and soul. off, and the Lord delivers them from the power of Satan. Satan has to let go. He can't hold on to that people, because the Lord comes and the Lord comes to sinner and rescues him or her from the power of the devil. Satan doesn't want to let go. The sinner is unwilling, but Christ's hands are so strong, he breaks the power of the devil. He rescues people out of the talents of the evil one and makes them his people, his property, his church. The devil goes around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the Lord Jesus conquers him and has conquered him completely on the cross. It was still a serious, serious battle. But Christ's work is irresistible. Through the Holy Spirit he enters into the heart And throw Satan out, and then God's people are delivered. Right? That's what it says. Redeemed both soul and body from all our sins, and has made his property, and delivered us from all the power of the devil. Lord Jesus has paid for that the sins of his people. Did Christ pay? Was he so rich? Did you have much gold and silver? No. The Lord Jesus paid with his blood, right? You know that. He did not run, run, run out of money. He never can. He doesn't pay money. He, he, he doesn't pay silver. He doesn't pay gold. He pays with his blood. No, not with blood only. With all his blood. What does it mean? What happens if you have no blood left? He's died. What does it means? Lord Jesus died, he gave all his blood with his precious blood. What happens? If people if people run out of money, they cannot continue, right? But the Lord Jesus has given everything, given this sacrifice, and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus completely sufficient for the expiation of the sins of the whole world. If our people would have been elected, that's not so. Not everyone is elected, elect. but if our people would have been, would have been, suppose our people have been chosen for salvation, the Lord Jesus didn't have to pay more. He couldn't pay more. Suppose you have saved money for years, after school, you went to work, year after year, you had a large, large amount of money, and you bought them, a quad, or a motorcycle, or a car, or something else, expensive. And then, a couple months later, you crash it. All the money you have worked so hard for, is all gone, all wasted, right? And you feel so sorry. For all those years that you worked so hard, it's all for nothing. Is that happening to the Lord Jesus? Did he pay the price? that he loses people? No. He pays the price... And he holds on to people. They cannot lose that salvation. Because the Lord Jesus is holding it for them. He has delivered them from the power of Satan. has paid the price. And nobody can plug them out of his hands. Do you belong to that people? Are you his property? The did, right? And thus has made us his own property. If they have paid so much for that property, they are so cautious that you won't lose it, and so the Lord Jesus pays such a high price, he will make sure that he doesn't lose any of his people. He guarantees that. At the times with a lively faith, at the times that you treasure this, this Lord, that you know something of him, as you made room in your heart for him, for the curious, for the Lord, if that's the case, you're well off. If you miss that, then you miss everything. Titus 2, verse 14. Or gave himself for us, as a church, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us, purchase, redeem us from all iniquity, and purify us unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. See, the Lord Jesus has given himself a reason. And the Lord Jesus has paid for the iniquity and purified him for himself, for his own property. The point also to Lord's Day One, right? Of the only comfort. Also speaks of that owning. Let me call it for you. The first Sunday. What the only comfort is. What is the only comfort in life and death? That my body and soul, both life and death, I am not my own. See yeah? My own. But belong unto my faithful Savior Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from the power of the devil. And so preserves me that without the will of my Heavenly Father, Not a hair can fall from my head. Yet all things must be subservient to my salvation. And therefore, by the Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life, and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. Is that close to verse 13? So the Lord Jesus has given His blood and he has purchased his people, and it will not be wasted. He keeps all, he keeps to, to his people. He doesn't lose them. It will not be wasted, and he continues with saving people for himself to the glory of the Father. Amen.